Well, good morning. I was thinking this morning, you know how you parents feel when everyone comes home for Thanksgiving. I feel like it's Thanksgiving and a lot of you have come home and I'm just overjoyed that you are here this morning. And I also want to say uh, a warm welcome to those of you who are watching virtually that we miss you and long to see you as well. Well, this morning we're continuing in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Last week, Jim walked us through the story of the healing of the demoniac and reminded us that Jesus has defeated evil. And when he comes back again, he will eradicate evil forever. Now today we're looking at what has become one of my favorite passages in scripture it's actually two interwoven stories with of two strangers who come from very different walks of life who both have an encounter with jesus that forever changes their lives now this morning as we walk through these stories and look at these individuals mark helps us see two things first Mark invites us to rethink the way we view pain. And then secondly, Mark reminds us of Jesus' power to heal us. Pray with me for one moment. Lord, thank you for a beautiful morning. Thank you for the breeze that comes every now and then to cool us down. Lord, I pray that you would take away any distractions, whether it's the air conditioning to my life, my left and, and y'all's right, whether it's the birds, help us, Lord, to focus on your word. And I pray this morning that you would use this word to encourage us and to transform us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them or your bulletins. And the first thing that I want us to consider this morning is Mark, he invites us to rethink the way we view pain. Now, for most of us, we grow up thinking that pain is bad and that it's to be avoided at all cost. Our society does everything it can to mitigate it. Often for good reason, we go to great lengths to avoid pain. And to anesthetize it. Pain in and of itself is uncomfortable. It's a reminder that life this side of heaven is not what it's meant to be. Pain was not part of God's original design. And when Jesus comes again, pain will be eradicated once and for all. And while none of us would dispute anything that I've just said about pain... I believe our passage this morning provides us with a different pair of glasses through which we are to view pain. Mark in our text this morning invites us to see pain not simply as something that's bad, but as C.S. Lewis states, to see pain as God's megaphone to rouse us and to lead us somewhere into something. And that somewhere is often to the person of Jesus Christ for healing. 
So let's, let's dive into these two interwoven stories. Mark tells us that after Jesus had crossed the lake, a great crowd of people gathered about him. And in the midst of this crowd, there was one who was desperate to see Jesus. A man by the name of Jairus. Now Jairus made his way through the crowd, pushing others away. And he falls down at the knees of Jesus. And he cries out to Jesus, please come with me to my home. My daughter is sick. Please come so that you might heal her. And I love Jesus's compassion here. He doesn't hesitate one bit. And he immediately agrees to go with him. Now, those of us who are familiar with this story, we might overlook the role of pain in moving Jairus not away from God, which we often think pain does, but instead, God used pain to move Jairus toward God. Mark tells us that Jairus, he's a synagogue ruler. N.T. Wright says that in the ancient Near East, each local synagogue, they had what they called presidents. And these were locally elected. They were often well-affluent people with prestige. And it was a very political position. Now, Jesus had been growing in, in power and in authority. But the religious leaders, they didn't like him. And so for Jairus to move toward Jesus was very risky politically. The other leaders would have looked down on him. They would have asked him, what are you doing? And so there was some fear in Jairus about the even thought of going to Jesus. And yet in the midst of the fear, he also had this incredible pain. And that pain was that his daughter was dying. And they had tried everything to heal her to no avail. And I believe it's this pain, the pain of the thought, the loss of his daughter, that propelled Jairus past his fears of losing political prestige or social prestige that moved him toward Jesus. Jairus felt fear as he weighed the cost. But that fear was overcome by the pain, and that pain propelled him. Now, as you're thinking about this, you're thinking, okay, I see that, but pain is awful. I can't believe that God might use pain to propel us. And for those of us that might be skeptical this morning, Mark says, well, let me tell you another person that also God used pain to motivate her to go and be with Jesus. He introduces us to a second person. As Jairus and Jesus, and they were kind of navigating the crowds, there was a woman. Mark doesn't name her because she didn't have any money, no prestige. And what we learn about this woman was that she had suffered greatly for 12 years to a continual discharge of blood. Mark tells us that she had spent all her money, all her resources in seeking help of a physician. Yet her suffering, her pain continued. And because she was ceremonial unclean, she not only suffered physically, she also suffered emotionally. 
For she was forced to separate herself from her family and friends. And if she didn't enter, and when she entered the crowded streets, she was to call out, unclean, unclean, or she would have been stoned. So like Jairus, this woman also was full of fear. She had this fear that if she actually moved through the crowds, that they might notice who she is and they might stone her. And she had this fear that she, as she got to Jesus, that he himself might condemn her because she was unclean. And yet we see because of her incredible pain, God used that pain to motivate her through her fears like Jairus toward Jesus. Pain is not God's invention. It is a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And until Christ comes again, it is woven into the fabric of our society. And please hear me. While in no way am advocating any sort of masochistic behavior, I do believe Mark in our text today is inviting us to rethink the way we see pain. Just as God uses all things to bring about his good and perfect will, Mark is teaching us that God sometimes uses painful things that happen in our lives or in the lives of others to rouse us and to draw us closer to him. As many of you know, I have been seeing clients for the past 16 years. And one of the things, you know, when folks come to me, they're often in pain. And that's one of the reasons that motivates them to come to see me for hoping that in some way I might help to bring healing. And what I've seen and noticed over the last 16 years is when they come initially, they're excited. They're excited about being there. They're willing to do anything I ask them to do. They're willing to do the hard work of counseling. But as time goes on, And as they start to get better and the pain starts to dissipate, what I've noticed is they stop doing the hard work. The hard work of healing. The hard work of going to Jesus. I had a client that's not in this city and he struggles with pornography. His wife caught him. Talk about pain. There was a big bomb that went off in their relationship. He came to me. He started to do a lot of good work. Their marriage started to heal. He was feeling like she was great with him. Everything was good. And I noticed over the weeks that he really wasn't working at all. He would come and just kind of sit with me. And I felt like I was out working him. And so I looked him in the face and said, I'm going to pray for you this week that God sends or allows some pain to come into your life. Because you need just enough pain to motivate you to do the work, to move toward Jesus and away from sin. Pain can be a good thing when it moves us toward Jesus and healing. And so I wonder this morning, what is your view of pain? Do you do everything you can to avoid it, to deny it, to mitigate it, or to medicate it? And I wonder this morning, what if you put on a different pair of glasses? The glasses that Mark gives us this morning in this passage. 
And you begin to see that pain isn't all bad. But pain might be God's megaphone calling you into a deeper walk with Jesus. A deeper relationship with those around you. Mark invites all of us to view the pain that has resulted from this pandemic. Not just as an awful and horrific as it is, but also as a tool that God might be using to move you, to stir you, to motivate you, to seek healing for wounds that you have been successfully avoiding all of these years. And that God wants to offer healing for this morning. Jairus and the bleeding woman, they might have found their way to Jesus if it were not for their pain. They might have had an encounter with him from a place of fullness and happiness. This is not out of the realm of possibility. But what we do know from our passage is that pain was a huge part of their story that propelled them, again, not away from God, but to God. Maybe God wants to use the pain that you're experiencing this morning or yesterday or this week to move you into a deeper intimacy with Him. Will you not medicate it or deny it or rationalize it, but instead say, God, what are you trying to say to me? How are you trying to transform me? How are you using the pain of this pandemic to move me into a deeper intimacy with you? So the first thing that we see this morning as we look at our passage is that Mark invites us to see pain differently. The second thing we see is that Mark reminds us of Jesus' power to heal us. N.T. Wright says, Faith, though itself is powerless, faith, though itself is powerless, is the channel through which Jesus' power can work. In this passage, we see two people coming from two different worlds demonstrating incredible faith as they move toward Jesus asking for healing. And as we look at these two stories, we see Jesus' power being poured out through the channel of faith to bring healing to the bleeding woman and healing to Jairus' daughter. Mark tells us, That as the bleeding woman got close enough to Jesus to touch him, she reached out her hand and she touched the hem of his garment. And immediately, because Jesus Christ is so powerful, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed from this horrific disease. And one of the things that I love most about this story is that though the woman, she wanted just to quietly kind of walk away, she knew that she had been healed. Instead, she stayed put and Jesus stopped. And he said what must have been a ridiculous question because everyone was touching him. He asked, who touched me? Because he knew that power had gone out from him. 
And when he said that, the disciples, thinking that he was ridiculous, they, they actually questioned him. What do you mean who touched you? You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And I love it. Jesus just ignores the disciples. And he said, no, someone has touched me. Who is it? And the woman knowing that she was the one who had been healed comes up to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't stone her. He doesn't mock her. Instead, he says these incredibly beautiful words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus had already healed this woman. Why did he say these words? He said these words because he knew that she not only needed healing physically, she needed healing socially. She needed healing spiritually. She had been an outcast. And he wanted everyone in that town to know that this woman had been restored because she had been healed. That he had the power and authority to declare her clean. He had the power and authority to receive her back into fellowship. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus. His power to heal the sick and to restore the disenfranchised. And the amazing thing about this story is that there's still more. Because while Jesus was speaking, those from Jairus' house came to him and they said, Your daughter... She's dead. Can you imagine as a father to hear the news that your daughter had died? You were full of hope, full of anticipation. You were going. You'd seen this incredible miracle going on before you. You were thinking, man, Jesus is powerful. He is going to heal my daughter. And yet you hear news that she's dead. Just the despair that must have overwhelmed Jairus. And yet, what does Jesus say? He looks at Jairus and says, Do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear. Only believe. And then Jesus, knowing the authority and the power he possesses to heal, says, I've got this. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Your pain will be taken care of. Trust me. And so they move to his house. And there's professional wailers in there crying and screaming, which was the custom of the day. And Jesus said, everybody get out. And so they all left. And they took, he took James, and he took John and Peter, and he took Jairus, and he went into her room. And arriving in his room, he looked at this girl that was dead. And he knelt down beside her bed. And just as a father would wake up his little girl saying, Honey, it's time to get up. Jesus says the same words, Talitha Kumi. Little girl, it's time to get up. And in an instant, Jesus, full of power and might, reached right into darkness, into death, and he snatched that little girl and he brought her back to life. 
And just as Jesus has the power to heal the bleeding woman and the power to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus has the power to heal us. This might be imperfect healing this side of heaven or perfect healing when we go to see Him face to face. But make no mistake about it. God has the power to heal our pain, to heal our diseases, to forgive us our sins, and to bring us from death into life. Church, do you hear that this morning in the midst of this pandemic? We don't need to be fearful. We can allow the pain of it to move us toward Him, and we can know that we have a Savior that's still on His throne. He is in control. And those who have passed, who have professed faith in Him, though we're saddened by the loss, they're with Jesus. We can reframe the way we see 156,000 deaths. Because all of them who profess faith in Christ are with Jesus. And the many more that He has saved through His power, we can rejoice that He can heal us. Now, I'm not saying not be wise. I'm not saying not to wear a mask. I'm not saying not to socially distance. But I'm saying fear is not from God. He says to us, do not fear. And as your kids are going back to school, trust and pray that God will protect them. As they're up with Betsy right now, trust and pray that God can protect them. And if they do get COVID or if we get COVID, let's pray and believe that Jesus has the power to heal us. Because, church, does he have the power to heal us? Yes, he has the power to heal us. So I wonder this morning, what pain or sickness or wounds or infirmities Do you desperately need Christ to come to speak words of healing in your life or in your wife's life or your husband's life or your children's life or your neighbor's lives? Will you seek his face? Will you believe in him? And will you ask him to sit with you today and bring healing? He loves you. God loves you. He created you. And He has the power and the determination to do immeasurably more than we can ever hope for or believe. Mark offers all of us this morning a new pair of glasses. And I hope that you will forever see pain differently because of this passage. The pain, though, isn't God's design. God uses it as a megaphone to rouse us and to draw us to Jesus Christ. And perhaps this morning, as we leave this place, we'll be able to see the pain of the pandemic in a different way. And instead of moving away from Christ, allow it to move us toward Jesus. And as we move toward him, we move toward an all-powerful Savior who longs to use his power to heal our pain, to heal our suffering, to bring redemption to our stories. This is our amazing Savior. 
May we lift our voices. May we worship him anew and afresh this morning. Amen.